0: And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. Glad to have you here. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side. And they are the host, they are the ones in charge, and they are the ones that are at the wheel of this ship. And they are steering this ship through this crazy, chaotic storm, these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome, glad to have you all here today. It is Friday, October 7th, 2022, and I tell you what, it is continuously feeling like fall around here in West Michigan. I tell you what, but you know what? I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. The leaves are starting to look pretty. You, uh, If you ever come to Michigan, there's a thing they call, it's called the uh, the Color Tour. And, uh, you, you know, I believe, you know, the route, they have signs up uh, US-31. And what it is, is you take a drive around the state of Michigan, and then I believe all the way up to the UP, and it takes you over into Wisconsin, and then back down through Indiana, excuse me, Illinois, Indiana. It's it's called the Color Tour. It's probably quite some trip, but um, I've always wanted to do it. I've lived here now. I don't know how many years now, but at least, what, seven, eight years now? I lost count. I can't even remember how long I've even lived here. Seven years at least. And uh, I still haven't had a chance to do it yet, but it's very interesting. It is really cool. And probably the reason why I haven't done it is because I am a truck driver and I drive all over the state. So I get my own version of the color tour, you know, because I I travel everywhere from southern Michigan, you know, upper Indiana, all the way up to, you know, Gaylord, Michigan, and and which is way, way up north. You know, Uh, I say way, way up north. I mean, I'm not talking all the way up to the tip of the mitten, but, you know, far enough. And so I get to see everything in between Traverse City. I get to see all the pretty leaves, and so it's 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 a it's a beautiful sight to you know be seen here. And there's a lot of pretty terrain here too. You know, Michigan is just a beautiful state. It's got everything for everybody. You got the Great Lakes all the way around. I mean, we're like little Florida. We're like Florida in the Midwest. You know, because we're our own little peninsula. Um, we have the boating, you know, culture here you got the farming communities you got you know you got fine art for people who are into the art thing we got you know we're like beer city usa in grand rapids i mean we have just about anything and everything for just about anybody i mean michigan is just a perfect in my humble estimation i've been to a lot of states around the nation and remember i grew up in new jersey i lived in florida i lived in texas i lived in indiana I grew up in Wisconsin some and graduated from high school in Wisconsin, and I've been to a lot of states and outside of Tennessee, Michigan is my second favorite state. Well, Jason, why would you say second favorite? One reason, because of the stupid state income taxes. Tennessee, there's no state income taxes. That's basically about it. But that's probably going to be going away here, I'm sure, in the future here. But anyway, but no, equally, though, if I had to put it, you know, if I had to put Tennessee and Michigan on a comparison list, I would say Tennessee first, followed by Michigan. And here's why. Because Tennessee, it, I like the mild climate. Like, I like cool climate, but I also like, you know, a milder climate. I You get the, you know, you get the experience all four seasons. I like the mountains. The mountains are kind of nice. But at the same time, I don't like – so, you know, I don't like mountains to a degree to where it's going to kill my car, right? It's not going to kill my transmission. Um, but the roads are beautiful down there in Tennessee up here. The roads are crap, (laughs) not all the roads. I'm sure they're, they're fixing them. I see them there, you know, they're getting fixed, but you know, you got the roads. Um, it's where, you know, just your suspension gets killed up here. And the amount of salt they throw down on the road in the wintertime just eats up your car. So that's why I say Tennessee and Michigan are kind of like equal. You know, they're neck and neck as far as my favorite states, as far as where I would live personally. Um, Winters aren't that bad in Michigan. You know, it's actually pretty, pretty solid. Just depends where you're at, you know. And when I say they're not that bad, what I mean is they're not you don't you're not getting frigid cold like you get in like International Falls, Minnesota, where, you know, beginning in December, you're already hitting like negative 30, you know, for two weeks on end. I had to deal with that. That sucked. But anyway, so um, but yeah, I'm tell you what, I love fall. Fall is just a beautiful, just a beautiful season. And I like experiencing it up here in Michigan. You know, when I used to live in Florida, when it got to be about Thanksgiving time. I used to get, I don't want to say depressed, but I used to get a little irritated and sad a little bit because it was still green down there. You had palm trees, you still got rain, you know, it was still muggy and you just don't feel that feeling of fall. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit sad. You got to have the feeling of the seasons in order to fully have, a, you know, an 100% enjoyment of the holidays. So Anyway. So uh, as I'm kind of scrolling through before we get into the reading, so just FYI, we are going to be reading Psalm chapter 39 out of the New American Standard Bible. It's a very short uh, chapter, um, only 13 verses. We'll get into that here in a bit, but I was just scrolling. I was looking to see kind of what's on, you know, kind of out there in the news. Like I said, I don't really put too much stock in the news. Telegram and True Social have been kind of quiet. Yes, we've been hearing, you know, the whole rumblings of, you know, nuclear Armageddon from Biden and so on and so forth. You know, I I don't know how to make, you know, I I can't make heads or tails of any of that because, quite frankly, this whole show, this whole clown show, I'm just quite frankly just over it, don't really know what to believe, don't care what to believe because at the end of the day, there's two things that matter formulating our national assembly, you know, our assembly of states um, secondarily, but primarily focusing on God and just trust that where we're at in this whole debacle that we call, you know, this Biden clown show and whatever else is going on, you know, this world stage, this movie that we're supposedly watching, you know, whatever it is, God's got this. I'm not even going to sit here and, you know, fret over this, that and the other. Um, but as I'm kind of scrolling, I, I usually kind of poke around at different sources like, you know, the gateway pundit and Fox and just kind of see what their stupid headlines are. And it, it's just really it, it, just really miraculous. Like, for example, I guess from what I understand here, I don't know how true this is. The Uvalde school district suspends the entire police force after a botched response to mass shooting at the Rob Elementary School. Um, there's that. I mean, that's just stupid. Um, oh, here's something rich for you Seattle area elementary school reportedly canceling Halloween. If some students don't celebrate it, well, then nobody can. I mean, it just makes a whole lot of sense. Welcome, welcome to Seattle. Um, what else did I see here? There was something else though that, uh, that I saw that was kind of appalling. Where did I see it? It was a, it was something of a daycare. Um, let's see, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, yeah, I'm not even gonna cover that. Oh, here it is. I'm not even play the video because it does no justice without actually seeing the visual. But it's terrifying. If I was a toddler, I if I was a parent of these toddlers, oh my gosh, it would be I'd be raining hell on this, this this caregiver. It, so there is a shocking video of a mass daycare employee terrorizing the toddlers. And it's obviously, rightfully so, sparked massive outrage. Now, there's just a screenshot on the headline here before, you know, until you click on it to actually watch the video. But it's one of those crazy masks, like the scream mask. But it's probably more, it's more horrifying than that because the eyes are just really... Demonic look in. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, it's Halloween there's everything demonic about this, but the mouth is wide open and these little toddlers, they must be nowhere, you know, anywhere between the ages of like, you know, a year and a half, two years old to like three and a half, four. And like, I watched this video and this woman is not only getting up in these little kids faces with this horrifying mask, but she's screaming like a screeching, terrifying scream. Like. 8 inches from these kids' faces. Let me tell you something. If I was the parent of one of these children and I saw this video and saw how scared my kid and others got, I'd string this woman up by her hair up in a tree. I I mean seriously, you do not do this to poor innocent, unsuspecting, defenseless children, babies practically. Flip is going on with people these days. I hope her ass gets, excuse my language, but I'm serious when I say that. I hope her ass not only gets fired, but she gets charged for child abuse. It's sick. And she deserves to get fully punished to the extent of the law allowed. When I watched that video, I pissed me off. I mean the screeching scream that this woman did in these kids faces I mean the mask the visual itself is already scary now you couple that with the audio the audible you know screech to it Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, I tell you it's um we, this world ladies and gentlemen and our country specifically our country I I'm not I'm not, I'm more convinced that our country And when I say our country, I'm not talking about the American men and women. I'm talking about, when I say the country, I'm talking about the de facto, the people that are part of the corporation. Okay? The corporation. These people really are satanic. But m- most of them, now, not all of them, obviously, there's there's still good men and women in there. Let me be clear, there's still good men and women who are unsuspecting and ignorant, and they just don't know any better. They're just trying to collect a paycheck. Maybe they're a city clerk. I don't know. But not everybody is a satanic, you know, uh, scumbag in and, 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 and the corporate government. But at the end of the day, our nation really is looked upon by the rest of the world as the great satan and i think that's going to be a very earth shattering reality for a lot of people when they when that finally comes about and then again it's all because of you know the people you you think you elected that are sitting there in dc all the selected chosen ones so anyways let's kind of get off of that topic for a moment so one thing I wanted to play, it's about 4 minutes long before we get into the reading cuz like I said the reading's kind of short. So there's this video that I remember seeing like 12 or 13 years ago and it's titled Why I Hate Religion but Love Jesus. Um I love this guy. This guy he, so he does this video and he's like in this courtyard, it's almost kind of European historic looking. It's a great video. Um and it's it's poetry. And but he describes why he hates religion but loves Jesus. And it's just miraculous. And I remember playing this one time for my, my priest when we had him over for dinner and he absolutely couldn't stand it. He goes, no, I just don't agree with this. And you know, of course, he goes into his reasons why now this was like through two and a half years ago. I can't exactly remember. It's like two and a half or three years ago. It was right before COVID even be, was a thing. But um, I just remember that he just was not a big fan of this. And he gave some BS reason for it. And that kind of leads me to another thing. Now, like I said, a lot of you know, who's been listening to this for a while, you all know that I grew up Catholic. Um, I have a lot of Catholics in my family and they're all good people. They're all good men and women, you know, and I truly believe that they all seek the heart of Christ and they they want nothing but, you know, the best for humanity and they go out of their way to do, you know, good, you know, and, you know, vo- whether if it's volunteer their time, money, both. Um, we have a lot of good people in our family that are Catholics and others, otherwise, you know, not just Catholics, but other religions, and they're all good men and women and they would give the shirt off their backs. But coming up in the next couple few days, um, let's see tomorrow, probably not Saturday. Maybe I might touch on it on Sunday and then complete it on Tuesday, but we're going to get into kind of like the evils of the Vatican. Um, Ron also known as raccoon six here on Podbean, sent me a video and it was about an hour and 10 minutes long. And I ripped some of the video off of it. When I talk about this and play some of the audio, I'll make sure I post the link. So you guys all have access to it. It's a rumble video, but uh, very interesting history and stuff that doesn't really quite surprise me. It's actually stuff that I've kind of heard. And then I learned some additional things too, but um, basically in a nutshell, just goes to show you and goes to illustrate just how much in charge the Vatican and all the popes really are in charge of everything in the world, and not just in charge of all the Catholic churches, but how the Vatican is pretty much in charge of all other religions. I mean, this is the one world religion that we've been all warned about, ladies and gentlemen, the the Roman Catholic Church. And I, I'm sorry if I have family members that listen to this, you probably might disagree with me on this, but when you start hearing the sound clips, or you actually watch the video that I watch, and, and granted, Yes, I know things could be made up online and stuff like that, but you know, there's so many facts and quotes and statements that have been made. I mean, true, hist- you know, historians have brought forward solid, true history on some of the events that have occurred, going all the way far back as far as like the seventh, eighth, ninth century, all the way up to present day with Pope Francis. And so we're going to touch on that here in the coming, you know, in this in the coming few, you know, next several days. But uh, but I want to play this sound clip and this guy, I tell you what, very, very talented, very talented. Let's give this a quick listen before we get into the reading.
1: What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian, and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches, but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice. Tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems, and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification, like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging. I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look, because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me, acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday, I'd go to church, but Saturday, getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken, which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin, because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, He looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify, I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men, but the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do. Jesus says done. Religion says slave. Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man, which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin, and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it.
0: Boom. The words of Denzel Washington from Training Day, boom. I tell you, that right there was a powerful message. And like I said, when I played that like three years ago for my priest, he was not a fan and, and and I could see why, because it goes against the doctrine that he's been taught from seminary. And of course, you know, it does not, it, it just, it goes against not just a Catholic religion. It goes against any religion. And see, after I watched this video that Ron sent me over the email last night, I, and I listened to this, I, I actually listened to it twice. I got to tell you, it further solidifies my reasoning and my beliefs deep in the core of my heart of why I will not follow the Catholic faith. Now, I'll go to the Catholic Mass if my wife wanted me to go. I'd much rather prefer just a Bible-based, you know, church, you know, non non-denominational. But quite frankly, I cannot stand the rituals. I do not like, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is just, you know, you see a lot of statues of everybody you know, in the church, you know, Joseph and Mary and all the saints, but you don't, you don't see, you don't see the living Christ. You don't see Jesus standing like a, you know, in the living form. You only see him on that crucifix on that cross. And albeit I understand the reason behind why the crucifixes in all Catholic churches, at least so have, you know, so have we, you know, from what I've been told, it still just doesn't resonate with me because it's like every time we do communion and, you know, receive the body of Christ and the, and the blood, right. Whenever we have communion during mass, it's like we're celebrating and and, and and I get it. This is not the case, but I've heard somebody make this argument. So, and just for the record, let me just make sure I put this out there. Remember, I am not a biblical scholar. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. I don't wear a white coat, as some would say. I'm not a, you know, investment advisor, and I also am not a voice speaking on behalf of the National Assembly. Just so I put all that out there, because I want to make sure nobody minces my words. Everything that I'm saying is based on my own opinion and views. Okay, so let's just put that out there right now. But what I'm trying to say here is it has been argued that someone, some people would believe that having Christ up there on that cross... It's almost as if it would be like, you know, you're celebrating it each and every week when you go to mass of his, of his, you know, of his, um, crucifixion. And I could see that side of the argument. And there, there is more to the argument and I, I'd I'd reiterate it if I actually remembered all those points, but the bottom line is though, is. You know, this religion prays for intercessions to Mary. Um, they emphasize, you know, the praying to Mary and 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 other saints, you know. And that's the other thing, like, you know, they, they, there's a patron saint for everything, right? Like, for example, if you lose something, there's a patron saint, uh, what is it, St. Anthony, I think it is. You pray to St. Anthony to help you find your lost item. I mean, these are the most cockamamie, most ridiculous things that I've ever heard of. And And, and from this video that I watched, it actually equated to, you know, subtle witchcraft when you're talking and you're you know you're praying to dead people um like you know the saints right if you're praying for you know to find something right or you're praying for your lost pet right yes i get it you're praying for intercessions but again how it's been explained is this is basically a subtle form of witchcraft when you're trying to talk and 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 speak to um dead souls that we have really no communion with. The only one that we should be really praying to is the Lord Jesus Christ and God himself. That's it. And so, yeah, just for that very reason, it's just, anyway, I'm getting a little bit long winded here. We're already at 23 minutes. So let's get into the reading. Like I said, um, when I get into the His Heartline discussions, I'm going to be playing some more sound bites that are, you know, that goes further in detail about the evils of the Vatican and just kind of what has taken place from, you know, the early on centuries of, you know, six, seven, eight century AD all the way up to present and kind of what has taken place with a variety of these popes um, then you know, all the different popes that has been circulated in and out of um, Vatican city there. So anyway, moving on. So Psalm chapter 39, again, reading out of the new American standard Bible Starting, it says, I said, I will keep watch over my ways so that I do not sin with my tongue. I will keep watch over my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I refused to say even something good and my pain was stirred up. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, let me know my end and what is the extent of my my days let me know how transient i am behold you have made my days like hand widths and my lifetime as nothing in your sight certainly all mankind standing in a mere breath say certainly every person walks around as a fleeting shadow they certainly make an uproar for nothing he amasses riches and does not know who will gather them and now lord for what do i wait my hope is in you Save me from all of my wrongdoings. Do not make me an object of reproach for the foolish. I have become mute. I do not open my mouth because it is you who have done it. Remove your plague from me because of the opposition of your hand. I am perishing with rebukes. You punish a person for wrongdoing. You consume like a moth. What is precious to him? Certainly all mankind is mere breath. Selah. Hear my prayer, Lord, and listen to my cry for help. Do not be silent to my tears, for I am a stranger with you, one who lives abroad like all my fathers. Turn your eyes away from me, that I may become cheerful again before I depart and am no more. And that is the full reading of chapter 39, verses 1 through 13. So, now we beg to ask the question: well, what does a Psalm chapter 39 really mean? Well, <clears throat> like I said, I and just for the record too, I always post the reference site that I get some of these notes from. And Bibleref.com is a really good little source that I often reference. But as far as chapter 39 goes, the psalm features themes related to those seen in Psalm 38, and both mention David's repentance of sin, and the consequences brought by God's discipline. And the Bible assigns no incident to this passage, but it may be tied to David's sin with Bathsheba. Bathsheba, excuse me, I mispronounced that. And David begins with a resolution to avoid speaking in the presence of certain evil people. These might have been critics Slanderers or other enemies, and his motive might have been to avoid giving them any further cause for attack. And so, the other side of that could be that David might have worried that his anger would cause him to speak inappropriately about the Lord. Now, in either case, his frustration grows, and rather than holding back his feelings, David goes to God in prayer and he asks for a renewed appreciation for his own limitations and his life and his troubles are tiny from the perspective of God. And this attitude helps David place his trust in the Lord and not in other people, which is very important because we should never, ever place trust or faith in man because man, again, is filled with sin. Man Every man, for that matter, and yes, that includes the Pope, we have all been born into a fallen world. Do not put your faith and trust in a mortal. Again, the only one that we should be placing our trust in is Lord Jesus Christ and God. That's it. Man will disappoint and lead you astray every time, either willingly or unknowingly. Now, next, as in parts of Psalm thirty eight, which we read yesterday, David expresses remorse for his personal sin. And, and and let me kind of pause here for a second, and this is one of the key things that my wife and I, we like I said, we disagree on. She feels like she needs to go to a priest to confess her sins in order to remove the mortal sin that she believes is on her soul. And I asked her, I'm like, well, what mortal sin are you talking about? She goes, well, not keeping the holy, the holy day Sabbath every week. I'm like, okay, well, if that's the case, then there's a ton of people around the world probably going to hell then if that's the case and we weren't able to to confess to a priest. I said, at the end of the day, and when we were having this conversation with my mother-in-law yesterday, she actually said something very key that, Almost backed up my point, but still had the Catholic doctrine behind it. And what I mean by that is she said, well, Kate, here's the thing. If something were to happen, you know, and you were on your deathbed, like you got in a car accident. Right. And you were like moments away from dying and you didn't go see a priest. Right you can say your act of contrition, or let's just say, let's, 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 let's bring it to a less extreme outcome. Okay. Let's bring it to a, just a more everyday thing. So my mother-in-law prays the act of contrition. And basically what it is, is just, you know, you're, you're, you're going to God. Like I believe you should do anyways, that everybody has that ability to go to God, but it's a specific prayer that Catholics recite. And it basically what it, what it does is it, it goes, it brings you to God and you ask for forgiveness. You ask to amend your life and, you know, part of the prayer, I used to have it memorized, but now I just realized that reciting a prayer is pretty shallow versus actually just coming up with your own words and really truly expressing remorse for whatever sins that you've committed. But basically in a nutshell, what she was doing was backing up my point. And so every day she goes to God because she doesn't go every week to confession or every month for that matter, at least not that I know of, but yet she does pray to God this act of contrition to remove sin from her soul. For the very simple reason, God forbid something would happen. But she still believes, again, like my wife, in going to the priest. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's wrong, right or wrong. I went to a priest to go confess my sins the first time a year and a half ago. And like I did that, it was like the first time I did that in like 15 or 18 years or something like that. And to be quite honest with you, it felt pretty damn good. But I realize now I don't need to go to a man that we call father so-and-so, because in the Bible, again, Jesus said in red letter language, call no man father except the, you know, except the father, the, you know, except the one and only father in heaven. I'm paraphrasing there. And and I have a hard time, again, calling a priest a father so-and-so or calling the pope the holy father, the holy See. Like, no, I have a big problem with that. Because he's not the living God on earth. There was only one living God, and that was Jesus Christ. That's it. And that's what we're going to get into further here in the coming discussions here coming up in this coming week. But what's my whole point? My point is, is my mother-in-law, again, backed up my point, saying that she praised the act of contrition, which is no different than anybody else in the world. Just going to God directly. And again, what did it just say right here? David expresses remorse for his personal sin as long as you proclaim and, and express true remorse i mean true remorse and sincerity deep in your heart for your sin i truly believe god would forgive us forgive you forgive me and perhaps the critics he mentioned earlier were provoked by his mistake so instead of complaining. David seems to take this in stride, recognizing that God as the only—excuse me—recognizing God as the one ultimately responsible for rebuking sin and wrongdoing. Exactly. And he has—and he asked to be forgiven and rescued— from his stressful situation. And David properly notes that he is only passing through this world with an ultimate destination of eternity. And he pleads to be removed from under God's judgment and restored to a condition of joy. Now, there is something that I had in my notebook. I, I think I have a screenshot still of it here. Yes, I do. So, in my notebook, it's, a, it's my gratitude journal. Now, in the very back of it, it has steps to salvation, okay? And I, I so wholeheartedly agree with this. It's very quick. I'm going to just read this off, and then we'll we'll conclude it with a prayer. But step one, it says, acknowledge your sins. And then underneath it, in a little bullet point, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's Romans 3.23. And then we got 1 John nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's step one. Now, step two, repent of your sins. In other words, you need to turn away from them. And as it states in Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So that's step two. Step three of four, believe in Jesus Christ, his sacrifice for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. And as it states in John 3, 16, we all know this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, excuse me, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have life everlasting. And then step four, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, inviting him to live in your heart, which is what we constantly talk about every time here. That's what his hard line is all about. Teaching people how to, not only seek the heart of Christ, but to accept Christ into your own heart. And here are two scriptures for that step four. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And a little snippet underneath these four steps, it says, Now that you have taken these steps, it is important to continue in your faith by finding and attending a Bible-believing church and being baptized as a witness of your new life in Christ. Now, I didn't do any of that because I had already been baptized. But, but, I will say, like I said, this is one of the reasons why we do 1% with him because 24 hours are granted to each and every one of us in a day. 1% 1% of 24 hours is roughly 15 minutes. Now, we spent 35 already, so we're way beyond that. We're, we're, we're almost reaching, we're, we're over double that time. But the reason I say 15 minutes a day minimum as the standard that we should spend reading a little scripture and spending some time in prayer with Christ first thing in the morning, first thing that we do in a day, it will transform your life like none other. And so that's why I often encourage everybody, spend a little time with the Lord, read a little scripture, even if it's just a few verses, and then spend the rest of that time in prayer and let it be sincere prayer, not shallow words, not recited prayers, not things that you're just going through the motions of. I mean, really pray. And when I say pray, I'm not saying you got to get down on your knees and fold your little hands at the side of your bed. No, you could be driving down your high down the highway and talking to yourself and have people look in your car window thinking you're nuts or talking on the bluetooth but you know you sit there and you 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 talk to Jesus as if he's sitting right there in your passenger seat i do that thankfully i don't have many people look in my truck and think i'm nuts because i'm higher than most people <laughs> so anyway that's all i got let's end this with a prayer let's see where's my music there it is <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you today for yet another day of life, another day of good health, not just for ourselves, but for our family, our spouses, our kids, our grandkids, and everybody else that we might be forgetting. We thank you for these days that you place us here. And we just pray for discernment. We pray that you give us clarity as we press forward and through these crazy chaotic times that a lot of us are facing. We know there's a lot of people that are, dealing with hardship and they're feeling you know very severe moments of despair because of what is going on and what people are seeing in the news we got people out there in the media trying to stoke the fires of fear so we just pray that people will hear your message fear not deep in their heart please put that out there because we need that message out there that's why we're here at his hard line we want to get that message out there fear not so we pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so anyway, that, my friends, is all we have. And um, like I said, went a little long-winded today. I apologize for that. But, you know, when when I get on one, I get on one. There's really no backing me down from that. Um, I think that's really interesting. Little side note, I don't want to glance over this. Destry, who's up there in the great north of Alaska there, um, he, like I said, he's part of the Alaska General General Assembly. He was part of the Michigan General General Assembly, helped get Michigan assembled. Um, he just put a thing in the comments here. He said the Alaska borough that covers Anchorage has outlawed voting machines, and it's basically paper ballots only. And what's relevant about that is it happens to be an order that was issued to the services contract administrator, which is basically the governor of, 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 of Alaska. Well, what are you talking about, Jason? What I'm talking about is the Alaskan General Journal Assembly put out that order in written notice to the governor, also known as the Services Contract Administrator, saying you will not use voting machines. It will be paper ballots only. Well, guess what? It is now official, all because of the men and women in the Alaskan General General Assembly. So that's amazing stuff right there. So anyway... Remember, folks, here at His Hard Line, we are, well, what do I always say? We're firm. We're steadfast. We're uncompromising. And the enemy has crossed that line for the last time. What we do here at His Hard Line is we push them back on the other side because Satan and his little minions, they're on their last leg. And they're losing. And they're losing bad which is why we're seeing things ramp up around us, which is why they're exposing their ugly face right now. So anyway, that's all I got for you today. Remember, eyes to God and look within for Jesus. We'll be just fine. Have a great day or night, wherever you're at in the world. Have a blessed one. Bye-bye. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hishardline.com, for all the latest updates.